0: What is up, everybody? Welcome into Locked on Tigers. I am your host, Chris Castellani. It is Tuesday, July 14th. Before we get into what were some of the hot topics of yesterday's inner squad game, I do want to bring up the fact that I made a, a mistake yesterday. It was a very dumb mistake, a very obvious mistake when talking about Harold Castro. I'm fully aware that Jonathan Scope is going to be the starting second baseman for this team. I do not, for the life of me, understand... Why I said that Harold Castro was going to be getting reps as a starting second baseman—that was uh, incredibly stupid. He may get a shot at third, but that was that—that uh, that was a really strange thing for me to say. I know completely Jonathan Scope is here. I've talked about him before. It was just one of those instances where uh, my mouth was was moving a little bit faster than my brain, unfortunately, so I apologize for that. But yesterday, there was an inter-squad game. I'm not going to talk about the results. I mean, really, who cares? But I do want to talk about what were some some pretty big storylines, mainly one, and that's Riley Green, the first-round draft pick in the 2019 draft, went fifth overall out of high school. Him and Derek Hill seem to have been in some weird competition to decide who's going to make the most athletic play in the outfield during this uh, summer camp right? Essentially, it's no longer spring training. It's summer camp, and that is a competition that I think Riley Green won yesterday. Obviously, I can't share it with you here. Podcasts are an audio medium, but I mean, if you haven't seen it already, what have you been up to? You can go to Twitter. It was on Instagram. It was everywhere. It was featured on Barstool. John Boy talked about it. Riley Green robbed CJ Crone of a home run to left field with, uh, if we're just talking about Pure athleticism, pure ability, not taking into account the the moment itself, right? Because if we're doing that, then Austin Jackson's catch to save Armando Galarraga's perfect game is still the greatest uh, catch in, in the history of Comerica Park. But if we're just talking about pure ability... Probably the greatest highway robbery I've ever seen at that ballpark. His arm was well over the fence. I mean, full extension, took a home run away from CJ Krohn. An incredible highlight reel play. It was so fun to see this thing going viral, seeing people talking about it, seeing the Detroit Tigers, especially these young guys in the organization, really starting to accumulate some buzz. But the play itself, as incredible as it was, to me is symbolic of Riley Green's progress in only the the year that has gone by since he got drafted. Because I remember when he got drafted, you know, he, was, he was still a project. Very raw, incredible talent. Everyone knew that he could hit. But I remember reading the scouting report, which spoke very highly of him, but said that they were worried that this guy was going to struggle in the outfield. And I remember the scouting report said that he could be a guy who would probably benefit from moving to first base at some point in his career. Well, it's very clear that Riley Green can play the outfield. And it's not even just this play. There's well-documented evidence that this dude can run balls down in the outfield. He takes good routes to balls. He's an incredible athlete. This play just cemented that for sure. What an incredible display of athleticism by Riley Green. But like I said, in the year in which he's been in this organization Two of the big knocks against him were, can he play defense in the outfield? And he needs to bulk up a little bit. He was he was a high school kid, still very thin. He's put on 20 pounds of muscle, is in incredible shape. Also had a two RBI single yesterday, so he's starting to get the bat going again. And like I said, he's he's completely proven people wrong in terms of whether or not he can play the outfield. I think... Look, I love Spencer Torkelson. I think Spencer Torkelson is going to be a wonderful player here in Detroit. But the reason why he was such a lock to go number one for so long was because he was as refined as any college athlete or any draft prospect in a long time. But I think Riley Green, in terms of potential has the highest ceiling of anyone in this organization right now. And I think him showing how versatile he can be as a defender is only proving that point. You are absolutely insane if you are not excited to see this guy in Comerica at some point soon. Now, with all of that said, I do have to throw this out there, Riley Green will not be in a Tigers uniform in 2020. I think at the earliest, we're going to see him will be late 2021, probably 2022, and I know that's going to disappoint a lot of people, but the fact of the matter is, this year will stunt his development somewhat, because there's no minor league season, he's yet to even play in anything other than than high A ball, I believe, I don't think he got called up to double A last year, he's yet to sniff double A ball, but he'll get there, I have no doubts about how this guy is going to progress, I think he's going to be an absolute star, and I think that moment yesterday just kind of solidified the insane potential that this guy has, all-star potential in Riley Green. Did I mention he's 19 years old? He's not even old enough to drink alcohol yet. Even if he's in the minors for two more years, he's still ahead of schedule compared to some of the quote-unquote young guys on the team. I mean, he's seven years younger than Jake Rogers. He's six years younger than a guy like Victor Reyes. This is a guy with so much upside and a whole lot of time to reach that potential. One thing, too, that excites me a whole lot is when you look at this organization's history, they've developed in, let's say, the last 25 years, right? They've developed a fair amount of pitchers, right? Verlander, Porcello, Drew Smiley had some good years, right? You've developed a few hitters, not many, not many. You've Most of the really good hitters you've acquired have been either through trades or free agent signings, but you, you have a few guys that were okay, at least for, for a short time. But one thing that this organization has struggled with for a long time in developing has been really good defenders. There's like two I can legitimately think of who were okay. That's Curtis Granderson, who definitely stands out. He was an excellent center fielder in his time in Detroit. And besides him, who else? Brandon Inch. Brandon Inch was a great defender. Sure. Yeah. I mean, did he come up through the system? I don't even remember. I mean, it's, that's pretty sad, and look, I, I love this team, I love this organization, but that's undeniable. They have not done a good job of developing rock-solid defenders. They seem to get some guys who can hit, a lot of really good pitchers, but I think the progression of Riley Green, I hope, is a symbol of a, a shift in this organization's ability to develop four or five tool players, at least that's what I hope. Michael Fulmer also pitched. Yesterday, I'm not going to talk a ton about the final line, because like I said, it's a crapshoot. You know, guys are trying new things, but the basic consensus was struggled in the first inning, settled in in the next two, and had a very good third inning. Ron Gardenhire came out and said that he felt like Fulmer was overthrowing a little bit, and when you think about it, uh, of course he was. This is a guy, and Michael Fulmer, one of one of the main things that everyone, including myself, complimented him on in his first couple years here in Detroit, this is a guy who's a, an incredible competitor. And when you think about it, this is someone who has not thrown a meaningful pitch in almost two years. And that I'm sure that completely just burned him inside. And even the thought of pitching in an inner squad scrimmage, he was probably airing it out a little bit and probably yanking some fastballs and overthrowing. In fact, I know he was. I'm not so much worried about that. The stuff looked good. One thing that I found interesting is that you saw him testing the curveball A little bit. I remember when I read his original scouting report when the Tigers originally acquired him, it said that he likes to incorporate his curveball. That disappeared by the time he got to Detroit. He was fastball slider changeup all the way. I do remember at points in 2017. I don't remember in 2018 necessarily, but I do remember at points in 2017 when he was really dealing, like when he was pitching at an all-star level, pitching really well, I saw maybe a handful of curveballs. I remember Ryan Schuling and I went to a game on the 4th of July against the Giants where he brought one out late in the game. Hey, you know what, man? I'm all for it. I mean, I know we're getting close to opening day, but even this late in summer training, I have no issue with guys trying new things. Look, it can only help. And if it it really sucks, he he won't throw it. But I think especially for a guy like Michael Fulmer, it just shows how strong his resolve is and how cerebral he is as a pitcher, you know, he's this guy who's coming off of Tommy John and is still focused on refining all his pitches, even the ones that he hasn't traditionally thrown very often like that curveball. Uh, I look forward to seeing it. I root for Michael Falmer. I know I was probably, I was probably a bit harsh on him in 2018 when I was making those post games because I knew what he was capable of. He clearly wasn't healthy and, and he did struggle. But it, it, overall, I just, I like the guy a whole lot as a pitcher. I like him a whole lot as a dude. He has, Been here through thick and thin, you know, his first year here, he was on a team that competed for a playoff spot and came short one rookie of the year. Since then, he's been on some of the worst teams in the history of, of, tiger baseball and he hasn't complained he hasn't pouted he's marched on like a true professional and he is a veteran here now which is crazy to think about because it seems like just yesterday he was making his first start but he's been here longer than most other guys on this team right now he's one of the leaders in the clubhouse and, and i i hope to see him lead and i hope to see him pitch well nothing would make me happier than than to see Michael Fulmer reached the kind of all-star level potential that he reached in his first two years in Detroit. Okay, so that's going to do it for segment one. When I get back, we're going to talk about one of the great mysteries in this organization, and that is one, Franklin Perez. We'll be right back. And we're back. So as I said at the end of segment one, I wanted to talk a little bit about one, Franklin Perez. He pitched yesterday, got roughed up in one inning. Franklin Perez obviously was, this feels like forever ago now, was the centerpiece of the Justin Verlander deal, one of the highest-rated pitching prospects in baseball at the time, one of the highest-rated prospects in baseball at the time. And so far, his tenure with this Tigers organization has been a complete disaster. Now, there's many things about Franklin Perez that are admirable. For such a young pitcher, I am yet to hear one person complain about his mechanics. I'm yet to hear one person complain about his stuff. There is one glowing issue with Franklin Perez. And it's a big one. The man cannot stay healthy. Now, by all accounts, knock on wood, he is healthier right now in 2020 than he's been over the last several years. But And this is where not having a minor league season, not having a full season, this is a guy who's really going to be impacted negatively by that because this is a dude who needs to just get through the grind of one full season unscathed fully healthy I think it would do him wonders and we're going to have another season now in which he's not going to be able to experience that and that's really difficult like he didn't pitch particularly well yesterday stuff looked fine but that's never been the issue it's never been the issue with Franklin Perez I don't know if it's as sharp as it was once was I didn't see him pitch when he was really in the lower levels of the minor league so I can't really speak on that but it looked fine good curveball you know fastball zipped a little bit I just I wonder where his place in the organization is going to be going forward even if he does stay healthy because when you think about it let's say like he gets back to relative health and pitches pretty well This rotation is going to be pretty set here over the next couple years. Like, we got three guys at the least that you can pencil in for the next four to five years, and Mize, Manning, Scooball, and then you could throw Faieto in there. You got a guy like Turnbull who's going to be here for a while. And then you have Franklin Perez. And with him, you kind of have to start from scratch. Can he simply make it through an entire season at full health? That's to be determined, sadly. I'm speculating here, but just my personal belief, do I think that this guy will ever get to a point where he is going to be in line to be a a front of the line or even mid-level starter at the major league level? I don't, And and I know there are guys. Jacob deGrom's a perfect example of this, of a guy who had injuries in the minor leagues, found his stuff again, got to the majors and flourished. Those are really rare examples, guys. If a guy goes three full years, essentially, without any elongated stretches of staying healthy, it's most likely that they're not going to be able to stay healthy going forward. Now, that does not mean that Franklin Perez's tenure with the Tigers is going to be a complete and utter disaster, because, like I said, the stuff appears fine. It's his durability that I think is has really done him in. But there are ways to work around that. Like I said, this rotation going forward here is going to be pretty full in the next couple years. So what can you do with a guy like a Franklin Perez or a Bo Burrows or a Kyle Funkhauser? Well, the bullpen may be their calling. And I know a lot of starters are really against that, and I understand why. They want to to start the game. They want to get their six, seven, eight innings in. I, I completely understand that. But I think it is cooler and hipper now because it used to just be if you sucked as a starter, you got moved to the bullpen. That's not the case anymore. Now it's like if you're just not extremely durable or if they don't have a spot for you, they move you to the bullpen. But we've seen guys like Dallin Batanzas We've seen guys like Zach Britton. We've seen guys like Wade Davis, guys who always had dynamic stuff, who found their calling in the bullpen and became elite, elite relievers I kind of think that may be the best course of action for Franklin Perez. Now, give him one more year as a starter. See if he can figure it out as a starting pitcher. If he can, then maybe you can lock him in as a fifth starter going forward for this organization. But if not, I think you could start looking at him being a guy who could close games in the minor leagues and you see how it works out. There's no shame in that. Look. What's the one thing that prevented this team from ever winning a World Series in that 2006 to 2014 or 2016, whenever you want to end it, era? It was a bullpen, mainly never having a lockdown closer. You had guys that were okay. Benoit had a good year. Valverde had a great year in 2011. You know, Todd Jones was bleh. Fernando Rodney was okay. But you never had that lockdown guy. Maybe you could have that in a guy like Franklin Perez. You you got to find spots for these guys because in fairness, they have done such a good job of loading up on elite, you know, top level, top tier starting pitching. You're going to have to find guys who are going to fit in that bullpen. And that is very often in a rebuild the last thing that you build. For some reason the Tigers have never been able to build one. If you can turn Franklin Perez into a solid starter, great. Have him be a starter have him be the fifth guy in a rotation of studs. If not, there's no shame in making him potentially the closer of the future or just a solid reliever, long-term reliever of the future because this is an organization that has always been in desperate need of something like that. So that will do it for Tuesday's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at castellani A N I two o one four. You can follow this show on Twitter, at Tigers. If you have any questions for the Friday Mailbag segment, you can send those to this show's Gmail account, LockedOnTigers, at gmail.com. And please go to Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, leave some positive reviews of this podcast. I think the last couple days have definitely been better than the previous couple weeks. I finally have some stuff to talk about, which is very exciting. So I appreciate you guys sticking with me. Thank you very, very much for listening to this show. Have a great rest of your day, and go Tigers